Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I think it's been about 10 minutes since we did the last show. Something like that. Yeah. And so now these are called fringes. Yeah. A yeah. new exciting thing here at the Nexus. Yeah. I'm just rewinding my book because it's on a Kindle. And so this fringe yes. is about uh, the book Sam and I were reading. And the book was called Retribution Falls. Um, let's see. Who is it by? Chris Wooding. Uh, I don't know what else he's written. Um, but uh, so what did you think of the book, Sam? I mean, uh, I know I, I, I know I finished it first, but what did you think about it overall? Right. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It was enjoyable to read. I thought it was very enjoyable to read. I, I got caught up in the story. I enjoyed the story. For the most part, I enjoyed the characters. I thought it was a generally good book. Yeah, that's a that's about my thoughts as well. I was so um, in light of in light of that on Amazon, we go for the five star scale. How many stars would you give it? Ooh, that's tough. I'm not used to the five star scale. Um, well, then I use the ten star I, scale and divide by two. Well, is five being is five like amazing, amazing, or five is just like good? Or well, that's what that's percentage? is it divided evenly, like the best. Twenty percent are I mean, five I mean, stars. The first twenty percent are one stars. Well, so that maybe that's a problem with Amazon scaling, but I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. It's a personal scale, but it's also used on Amazon. Okay. Well, I, I'd say it's a it's a it's a three and a half or four star. Okay, it's reasonable. And this is taking into account that I would only give like five stars to something that's really, really, really good. So it was it was pretty good. I thought. Okay. Well, I would give it maybe. 3.7 out of 5. Seven. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed what I read. Yeah. Um, should we should we do a, like a plot summary or... We can do a, a general plot, plot summary, yeah. Of course, we'll have right. links in the show notes, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, the book uh, focuses on the adventures of uh, a crew uh, of an airship. And so this is set in sort of a steampunk. I think it's a, it's a, like a historical steampunk world. Um, the the technology is definitely steampunky. I mean, there's there's guns and stuff. Yeah. There's no internet, but there's a, <laughs> uh, there's electricity. Um, but it's a, a newish development. Uh, and there's also some magic in the world. Right. Uh, which which I thought was pretty interesting. I, I like that approach to magic. I haven't seen that done a whole lot. It was a scientific uh, kind of magic, one might yeah. say. So so the book follows the adventures of a crew of a craft called the Ketty J is the name of the craft. It's a an airship, and so all the airships in the world uh, are sort of the primary mode of transport because apparently this continent is divided by some harsh harsh terrain, and so people use airships to get around. And the uh, the captain of this craft, the crew starts out sort of all like a, a amalgamation of different people from different walks of life, all sort of running from something. Mm-hmm. And the the pilot takes a job, or the, the captain takes a job, captain and owner owner of the ship takes a job that uh, ends up getting him framed for the murder of uh, the archduke's son, and the archduke is the ruler of the continent. Uh, and he, so he gets framed for that, and he he didn't know that this was happening or that this was going to happen. Uh, and so the rest of the book focuses on uh, sort of his deter- his decision to get to the bottom of who framed him and why, and 
sort of just the adventures that follow. Uh, and as, as the story goes on, the characters, uh, grow closer to each other and the, the things they're running from, the secrets of their past lives are revealed, uh, in some flashback and some sort of character, uh, inter-character discussions, I guess. Right. Um, and it, yeah, so big, big things happen, uh, and the story follows it from the viewpoint of the sort of the catalyst of the event. I, I don't want to give too much away, I guess, at the beginning of the end of the book in case anyone wants to read it. Somebody probably will. Uh, Maybe Ian Buckler read it. Yeah. In fact, you know, I was thinking next time we do this, we should, uh, have some people, or we should, uh, Tell people, and, tell people in advance, maybe? Right, tell people in advance to read it, and maybe we can do a, a hangout discussion before or after we record our, our own review. Well, that would actually be a great idea. Um, we'll have to keep that in mind for next time. Yeah. But So, is there anything that overall you really liked or you really didn't like? Well, okay, so first of all, I'm looking through the book here, because I had to rewind to the, back of, to the front of my book. Um, and so there are 39 chapters in this book, and did you think that... On, at the end of each chapter, I mean, after a while, it became, it, it, I got to the point where I knew what would happen at the end of each chapter because the style, the writing style of this guy, he would always end the style, the, the, the chapter with some, some kind of quip or remark that was just, you know, like so constructed and so obvious for it. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I didn't notice. I mean, I, I did notice that, I guess, now that you mention it, I, I remember that being the case. I didn't, it didn't really bother me, I guess, when I was reading well, it. Well, it didn't bother me either, but I just, I, it's something I noticed it because it just happened so often. In you, most books, when a chapter changes, it's just concluding what happened in the chapter, but it's not usually a, a character doesn't say something and then it just ends. Right. These are like, it's divided up into chapters like like a TV show, like very much like a, a TV commercial show. at every cliffhanger. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, that is. No, very... I definitely noticed that now. Mm-hmm. Chapters are really short too. Now that they look back in the book, being like, there so... being thirty nine chapters. Yes, I agree. Right, and so this is. I have the paperback version, and there's like uh, four hundred and fifty pages divided up into thirty nine chapters. Well, I have seventy eight hundred locations. Does that help? I hate, no, I hate Kindle. I'm so confused just, by location. I just, it doesn't mean anything. Anyway. Right. Um, so in, uh, in the paperback, each chapter is only like 10 pages or, or sometimes less. So in your paperback version, under the chapter, like chapter 12 or whatever, like under the chapter word on the, at the beginning of each chapter, are there yeah. like three little sub things? Yeah, you know, I, I noticed that and I, I don't think that I like that. So I was very uh, displeased with that because yeah, it gives so what, way but, too much away. Right. So what you're referring to is it says it'll say uh, chapter one. I'll just read the chapter one one. It says chapter one, lost in Macard, a question of probabilities, phrase cutlass, new horizons. Right. So there's four subtitles essentially to each chapter. Mm-hmm. Chapters don't have a main title, but they have four subtitles sort of, which give hints as to what will happen in the chapter. And it really sort of ruins the suspense, I think. Well, uh, and, and it seems from when I was reading, I would read those and then I would just look for those words whenever like the next section, like I knew like these were bottled sections in the book whenever I right. would like get to that topic. And it's like, eh, it, they right. weren't intertwined yeah. enough. And, um, as, uh, I was trying to be a writer last year when I was in school still, and I d- got this program called Scrivener. And what it does is it lets you, 
organized the way you write. And it turns out one of the ways it lets you organize your book is in this style. It, you pick a chapter, and then you get sections within that chapter, and then it puts those at the beginning of the chapter also, like a little subchapter okay. kind of thing. And yeah. I don't know. I just wasn't really for that. Yeah. And I, yeah, it definitely, I think it would have helped or it would have been less noticeable, the sort of compartmentalization of the different stories mm-hmm. if he hadn't done that at the beginning of each chapter. Right. Well, I did like that he had like different point of views, more or less. I mean, it was all happening in the same place mostly, but characters told yeah. like the story on their own each time. Right. So, so each member of the crew, sort of the point of view would be from one member's through one member's eyes, and then it would change once in a while between chapters or between parts of chapters. Now, do you think there was one character in particular that had, well, so to say, a lot of screen time? Um, you know, it it definitely wasn't divided up evenly amongst the members of the crew. Um, but I I think that it was divided up fairly as far as who the main characters of the story were supposed to be. Definitely got I think the their fair share of uh screen time as you say yeah well is there who who are you are you thinking of the captain captain Frey? well i was thinking either he didn't have enough screen time or the girl which his name is eluding me jez yes yeah see i i was i really liked that part of the story um and the way that it was just sort of uh revealed in like a flashback yeah so I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I think that was a really interesting background story mm-hmm. and the way that it was it was revealed. And then not um, developed I mean, it, on at all? Right. I, I, I liked the, the development throughout the book was pretty good. It was a little slow-paced, revealing um, the different elements of her past. But, it, I mean, it was it was fine. And then the way that they sort of just dumped the the full story in, like, a little flashback thing, I didn't... I don't know. I, that was a cheap way to do it, I think. Well, then I also didn't like how, it, towards the end of the book, they omitted what you would expect to be a pretty major type of ordeal um, when Jez returned the ship to the guard, the, the, the you know, the big night, the sentry night people. Okay, uh, yeah. They just, they just totally skipped that in the book, and it's like, are you kidding? Kind of ridiculous. Right. Yeah, so, well, the, yeah, so the, the way that, they seem to weight the importance of the different characters and give them uh, more from their point of view, pay, more pages from their point of view. Um, was it, it like changed in different parts of the story? Like in the first half, it was they did it a lot from Frey and Craig, and then the second half they added a little bit of Jez, and then in the end they didn't have any. Right. I don't know. It was it wasn't very well balanced i guess well and when you when you say it when i when i think about that it looks it you know in my mind when i'm envi- in, you know envisioning all of this happening like in reality it looks very much like how a tv show that didn't want to waste time telling not something irrelevant but just something that would be hard to show like people don't right. want to see like a hero of the show go and like give the ship away People don't want to see that. They want to see the hero, one of the heroes, rescue another one of the heroes. Yeah. 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 So, that yeah. No, I. Um. Actually, before before I forget, I have a page dog-eared here. Um. Just one of the one of the examples of some of the writing that I liked in the book. Uh. Were some of the funny parts I thought were well. Uh, quite a few of them were well placed and in in good good taste at the right moments and stuff. Um. 
So in, in this, this is on, I don't know if it's going to match up with your book. It's like right before chapter 15, so the last sentence. I do have page 14. numbers, you know. Oh, okay. So 157, I guess. Okay. Uh, and so like the last sentence is a, Ray is like going to visit some old girlfriend or something, and he says, I'm Alicia, he began, but then she roundhouse kicked him in the face. And that's the end of the chapter. So that's the kind of like chapter split that you were talking about. Yeah. And also, I think <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed those uh, sort of. Uh, yes. So I remember reading this and I didn't I was not expecting that. Yeah. No, I, I that was well. That was well done. I think. Uh some some of the character twists were pretty. But then, of well course, done. you turn the next page, and then you see that Amicia's revenge, Trey's talent for lying, blah blah blah, and then right. it just gives away the whole chapter. Yeah, which yeah, so that definitely ruined some of it. I I ended up not reading all of those though. Yeah. Like once I got to a groove, and I would read like ten chapters at once. I would just I would read like the first the subtitles on the first two chapters, and then the rest I'd just forget about them and ignore. Yeah, it, right. Which which helped definitely. Um. So are there, uh, I don't know, were, were there any characters that you thought uh, were not, uh, I don't know, I guess the... So the three characters uh, that I like, I like the captain, I like Jazz, and I like Crake. Those are the three yeah. characters I only care. The three main characters that they gave you the most story to. Well, how, how, how imaginative. And I right. really feel, I ex- feel extremely detached towards the two pilot people, and I only l- care about the doctor a little bit. Right. So, the two pilots, I, there was one chapter near the, or one scene near the end where there's like a climactic fight scene, and the two pilots have sort of a bonding moment where one of them saves the other one. Yeah. And, that I thought that was well written and it was excellent character development for both of them and that was the only part of the book where that happened. Yeah. And for, for those two characters anyways. And I, I didn't I I think it could have done with a little more uh sort of uh, I guess character development for, for the other members of the crew. Mm-hmm. I mean I understand that the main characters were not those three, but I don't know. It seemed to uh I, I would have enjoyed it just as much, if not more, if they had included that. Or included some more depth to their background and stuff. Well, I mean, and, and for, some, for some reason, for being five, almost 500 pages, the story seemed incredibly short. And for yeah. being so short, there wasn't even a lot of depth. I, I agree with you. Yeah. No, I, I, was, uh, I was like, 500 pages, really? And then I got to the end, and it was like, that, that didn't seem like it should have been 500 pages. No. But- Thinking back, I can't remember a lot of detail. What took so long. I don't either. I mean, I I don't I can't under I can't like think of why it took up that much space and it, and so it's not it's not bad really because I can't think of oh that was a lot of wasted space. Right. But it's also not good. It's not like oh I remember all of this. Well, so, so some books have like these like four or five pages of just ridiculously detailed details. One might say, and yeah. this book. I think it left a lot to imagination in in subtle ways. Like it told you the important things, and then it just glossed over like how things looked in detail, or how things sounded, and how things were in that steampunk kind of world. Because you kind of already knew that. Um, yeah. But I think also I, I think a lot of the space that was in the book was used for all of those little quips that the characters make just too perfectly timed. Yeah. That's true. That 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 did happen a lot. Um, and I, I, so, like, so I'm just rereading some things. And I also didn't like some of the 
Frey said. Crake said disapprovingly. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Observed. The, the writing wasn't particularly like sophisticated, the writing style. No, it was not. It was, it was fairly uh, basic, but I don't think that really took away from the story. Well, it didn't take away from the story, but I began to see it over and over again. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't need it to be sophisticated. I just need variance. Yeah, that that is true. I, I did notice that as well. I, I mean, it's so he. I don't think that this author necessarily is a particularly good author, but I think that this story is a good story. As, so, as far as how much how much I like the book, I think the story contributed a lot more than the writing. Yes, definitely. Um, speaking of which, I, I kind of wanted to talk about uh, the world building and sort of the environment a little bit. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, did you, did, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on the world building and the, well, the environment descriptions and stuff like so, that? So, um... I, I don't know if my book did your does your book have a map maybe um you know I don't know I, I'm I thinking don't think it, so. I, I'm f- trying to go to the front cover page one page two page four I'm pretty sure mine, mine does not okay so mine does not either and so you have to understand when you have an airship that can fly and then you actually use it to fly to places in a world it is kind of nice to have what we like to call maps. Especially, right. especially even more so when you literally talk about maps in the book and you have a navigate navigator using maps literally in the book. Yeah. So, um, does, I, I, I don't know if Game of Thrones have a map, but I feel like they must somewhere. Uh, I know oh, yeah. tons of books have maps and it's just insane to not have a map. I don't, I don't even, not having a map wasn't really even a problem for me. But, it, but, it but, but thinking about where all this stuff happened, I have no clue. Just no. no, I know, but that's that's what I mean. Not having a map would have been excellent for this book, but that's because of a lack of good description. Oh on yeah. yeah, relative positions of different um, like cities that they were in and stuff. So like there were references to mm-hmm. the north and the new other continents, but I, I mean like so the main continent that this is set on is was it like Vardia or something? Yes, something like that. Yeah, uh, and and so. <laughs> It's it's it almost like parallels like the British colonization and stuff like yeah. Vardia, Great Britain, and New Vardia is the Americas. Right, similar but not quite the same. And I don't I don't even know which direction New Vardia yeah, is. Not even from. close. No. Yeah. And, and uh, so the, I also think that at some point they mentioned the North. Like these, there were these people up in the North. It was cold, and it was the North. And I, I was disappointed with. The sort of the locational world building, I guess. I'm not sure how to put it any better, but the the way that the relative positions and the uh, just the different the geography essentially of the place mm-hmm. of the, the world that this was set in was was uh, described. I, I really wasn't satisfied with that. I guess I'm, I'm I suppose it's because I'm really a fan of good world building. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't. It, I mean, it wasn't particularly important to the story. Um, it was, like you said, they're. I mean, they're flying from city to city. It would have been nice to know, like, are they just flying back and forth between like two spots, or are they going from west to east across the country? I mean, that could have contributed. Right. Uh, it, it wasn't super important, but it definitely, it definitely would have made me happy to have some some more defined world building. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is kind of a spoiler. Um, 
the name of the book is called Retribution Falls, and there literally is a place in the book called Retribution Falls. So, Sam, um, when you got to the part about physically flying into Retribution Falls, you know, with the landmines or the, I don't know, not landmines, air mines maybe, or whatever, was it like in a cave? You know... I was I was thinking about that, and I don't know. Okay, so like it was this, hidden. That happened, that happened multiple times in the book where I wasn't sure because they were like flying in these like misty places and stuff. Yeah, and then it's like, are you underground? Like, why can't you just fly above the mist? Well, so like they made it sound like they were in a cave. Like, like they couldn't like physically just like fly up or fly down or something. I don't. Well, I don't. I just don't get it. So I think I think that the. The way that was, uh, I don't know, the the reason or the for that was like they were in a very uh, tumultuous geography where there were like very high gorges or very high like cliffs and deep gorges and stuff. Yes, and uh, like some volcanic terrain, I think, as well in the area. And so the the ship would like sunk down into the mist, which is lower, like the clear air would be above that, which makes sense mm-hmm. physically. Yes. And so they go down into the mist, and it's like, why don't you fly higher up in the canyon, where not only there's, like, more space, and the thing is not as narrow, but there's no mist. And right. just, like, fly over it until you can see the city below you. Well, so and then so the, there, there must have... So the explanation in the book was that there were land or air mines all over the place. But then I thought of that, and it's like, well, then... So what? Just detonate them or something? Like I just didn't understand. Like I, I mean, I had the conceptualization that they were totally in a cave, and then so for the rest of that, while they were in Retribution Falls, it's like I just don't get it. It made no sense. Right. And, and if they're so, so far down in mist, then it should still be pretty dark. And I, I just none of that makes sense. And so why wouldn't it be misty in the city then if they were in mist? Well, so that's that's the thing is I think the the city or the like townish thing that they found retribution falls was uh, in sort of a clear pocket where there was uh, like the the fog above and towards the direction that the Ketty J came from mm-hmm. there was like that volcanic area with the smog and right. stuff so i think that it was sort of in a clear air pocket like you said natural light and i i think that that some that uh that attribute that there was no natural light that it was all from ship lights and electric lights like swinging in this ramshackle town on a marsh and stuff definitely would have contributed to the attribute the attribute the atmosphere yeah of the location well it would have made it seem more pirate like if it had been dark too and 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 it would have made it seem more realistic because not mentioning that essentially i don't know takes a uh takes a stab at the uh the oh god what am i the term what is the term i'm looking for the suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. it's like intentionally attacking it uh by omitting like some basic and uh possibly like details that would have helped i guess uh portray the, the location so, so so some of the aspects of the world building i, I guess i was disappointed with that right. that being one of them. Mm-hmm. And so then they also talked about this, I don't know, huge city. This this just absolutely huge city. They just kept referring to just how big it was. But then, to not give me any scale about just how big it was, because they had been visiting these little, like, shack towns or something just out in the so, middle of nowhere. So which city was this? Um, I'm thinking it was, like, 
the place where the emperor was or like you know the place where the trial takes place i believe is the big city oh at the end okay yeah yeah so the i'm a uh, quick interlude to describe a little bit more i guess of the the nation that they're in vardia has is ruled by like the archduke and then each province there's like seven or nine uh provinces that are each ruled by a duke who all answer to the archduke sort of um and so the the end scene takes place at in one of the the duchies i guess would be the, the proper term um in the capital city of one of those duchies right and, and, and I just felt I, like I guess I don't remember the sense of scale being emphasized. No, but. and I I don't think I did either. Despite if you know if I'm in an airship, I'd be flying around, and it's something you'd mention. Especially like I maybe that's just one of those things like things weren't just being described very well in detail. I mean I don't yeah. know. And of course they were in that court area, but I feel like they ran over that town all over the place. Yeah, I mean, so uh, actually, so uh. Yeah, the the courtyard that they were in at the end, where the trial took place, um, was at the manor of the duke of that duchy. I can't remember Duke Greffin or something. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, the size of his estate was like supposed like huge or whatever. As as the scene was introduced, the the size of his estate in particular was emphasized, um, and then. All of the action in that scene took place in like a thirty foot by thirty foot courtyard, as far as I know. Yeah, that's what my impression was too. Yeah. Um. One. Yeah, I, sense of, sense of scale was a, in as far as this vein of uh, conversation goes. I think the sense of scale throughout the book was not always consistent. No, especially not like, when he mentioned the desert or. The place where the where he was doing his little drop supplies and runaway thing. Um. Oh, when uh the the captain was fighting for the navy. Yes. Or dropping supplies, and that when he lost his crew. Right, and and so like they made this big deal about these three warring nations, and then how one of these nations just stopped warring and they just became slaves, and then how he was still fighting with the navy. And it was taking place not where they were, but you know somewhere far away, allegedly, kind of mostly. And yeah. but again, because there was no sense of scale, I had no clue where that was. Yeah, and and so the whole like different continents and stuff, like really, I had no clue which one was which direction. There was like, and and there were a couple continents that were mentioned like once or tr- like I think once there they like somebody listed them, and that was the only mention of that. Right, and. In that case, might as well just leave it out. Mm-hmm. That that just makes me distracted. That just makes me want to know more about that. Right. Might as well just not mention it. So in the beginning of the book, um, in those fir- in the first maybe two chapters or something, um, you discover what the initial heist was about. Like Frey, the captain, sold two canisters of the stuff that powers their airships for like something so they could buy actual canisters of the fuel, and that was the only time they ever mentioned needing fuel, and then they suddenly fly everywhere in the world and never once stop anywhere to pick up fuel or even talk about needing fuel. And yeah, I just thought that I'm was sure. weird. So the this I think is a good lead into my next the next thing I want to talk about. But the uh, yeah, so 
the ships are powered by a substance called Arium, um, which is, I guess, somehow electromagnetically manipulated into releasing some sort of ultralight gas, uh, which is used to float the airships. Um, and apparently it can be run, it, it can be used in engines more than once, and each time it decreases in potency. Uh, and so the captain had sold some that had been run through the engines multiple times or something to a local crime lord, and the the local crime lord had uh, lost a ship or something because his the the uh, Arium wasn't good enough to get it over a cliff, and so it, like ran into the side or something like that. Oops. Uh, right, and so that was the first that was the first scene sort of of the crew on the run. Um, and I did you. Have something else to discuss about that, or can I go into my? No, no, you about- can you can go on about that. But it's just like sometimes, like you mentioned, things were mentioned once, or he made yeah. a plot point that seemed like it was a plot point, and it just turned out to be nothing. Like I do agree. Yeah, and and like you said, the mentioning the Arium, like oh, you need this fuel, and then not mentioning it really at all the rest of the time. Right. As far as it being like a coveted resource or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I what I was going to go into now is the. Uh, Sort of the more the other the other side of the world building, less the geography and locations and stuff, and more the sort of the atmosphere of the universe that this is set in. Okay. Uh, as far as specifically, first, I, I guess I want to talk about the Arium. Okay. Uh, and coming up with like some new new names for elements that we have that I think was an attempt to set it in a more fantastical, like, non, non-correlated to the real world world. Right. Uh, so, like, the the ships were fueled by Arium, which was turned into an unnamed ultralight gas. Uh, and then thrusters on the ships were fueled by uh, some substance called prothane. P-R-O-T-H-A-N-E. Yes, I did, I did notice that, yes. So, it's like... So... Arium's like helium, yep. and or like a powdered form of helium, mm-hmm. and prothane is like propane. Oh, really? So why don't you just say that? I think the that attempt that was a misguided attempt at uh, sort of fantasizing like the, the the that aspect of the of the world that this was in. Right, I think so too. One of those one 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 of those things too. Um, I think was. When he tried, I, I, I mean, I don't remember seeing any kind of um, further explanation for the Arium except that it was something relatively solid, and then it turns out. But he mentions frequently that he's venting the Arium, and then a few minutes later, he starts revving up the engines again and making more buoyancy. And I, I just, like, it reminds me a lot of, um, like, a submarine, kind of. Um, like, you uh-huh. you scrub the water for oxygen and then you puff up your own ship with it. So I mean it kind of kind of is like that. Um but I did have that impression yeah. of helium and blimpery all over. Yeah, and it, I mean I that's totally where the inspiration was from. Um and it's definitely like a popular steampunk uh piece of technology, but I don't think that like naming it like that really did anything. In fact, now what if what if he had found better names? Would that would it have been okay then? Uh maybe. I definitely wasn't okay with the names that he picked though. I don't know. So that something about that just really s- didn't sit well. Of but, course. Then he also left magnetism the same too, um, because at some point he got like a magnetic compass or something. Yeah. 
and the, the I don't know the so like the like you said the Arium is like mind and so it's briefly introduced that the Arium is the cause of these the big wars, wars that yeah. people had fought in and stuff and so then it's like oil but not really s- sort of and so like one of the nations like Vardia had a lot of Arium mines and then this other nation Samarla had none and they were tired of buying it from Vardia so they attacked or something like that. And that was, like, mentioned once as the reason for these huge wars that were essentially the backstory of multiple characters on the crew. Uh, and uh, that, I don't know, the the whole semi-scientific approach to that and then the full-on scientific approach to uh, some of the other aspects, say, uh, the magnetism right. or the... Uh, Electricity, like gas generators and stuff. Um, I don't know. Was it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. I mean, it's it's not uncommon or anything for there to be some realistic aspects and some unreal, like fantastical aspects. And oftentimes, that's that's a good direction to go is to have a mix of both. But I don't know that this mix was 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 very good. I, I guess. Yeah. Um. So one of the one of the aspects of that in in this story was demonism, uh, which is described as sort of a, a mystical science, and really it sounded a lot to me like alchemy. I thought so too. Uh, and until it turned out with the part of like the summoning the monsters and stuff, um, which is also a so, lot like al- alchemy in some cases. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so the way that demonism worked is apparently there are oh, and so one of my favorite parts of the book was where they mentioned the luminiferous ether. Mm-hmm. I was yes, like, I love this. I know, I like, I love that, I love that reference too. And of course, was, that, that fits was, in with the steampunk like time right, period. Right. And so, for those of you uh, listening who don't know, the luminiferous ether was the original concept of what inhabited empty space outside of the Earth's atmosphere. They thought it was a, a substance called the luminiferous ether, which is sort of a, a gaseous, or like a gaseous liquid almost. And so the the demons described in, in the story uh, are pulled from the ether uh, using uh, frequency, like different sound frequencies. Yep. Uh, so, so simple demons had like one or two prime frequencies that with with which you could control them and have them do your bidding, sort of, or bind them into items which they would then magically augment, uh, one of which was like a magical cutlass, and there were some magical earrings that were used as a... Communication. Sort of like long-range communication. Yep. Um, and then a big major element uh, one of the be- in Crake, the demonist's backstory, was the attempt to capture a very powerful demon uh, using a new cutting-edge method of demonism um, which captured like a, a big demon or something that had multiple prime frequencies and ended up being too powerful and that that's contributes to his, his uh, character development and stuff. But I, I actually kind of enjoyed that take on sort of the fantasized alchemy as an, an actual thing that people did, and it was real, so it wasn't like alchemy in our universe where it's not it's not a real thing. People just thought it was and wasted their time on it. Um, 
and it, it was actually like a, an, a real element to the universe. And the, the that also contributed to sort of the uh, science and religion part. Yeah. Of the book, but before we start talking about that, do you have anything to add about the demonism? Well, so there's like, so there's uh-huh. there's three parts of that. So like, there's the science in the world, the like you know the real science, the airship science. Then there's that demonism slash magic science, and then mm-hmm. there's Jez's like alter ego kind of like possessed science, kind of weird. That's like that, that was that, more that's like the system, so. that's like the more real magic. Almost, yeah. because the magic that's presented and everybody that thinks that's magic, that's actually more, that ends up being more of a science, and I think that's that that was an interesting thing to do. Now, I also watch a lot of anime, and I thought the science magic was a lot like Full Metal Alchemist, where you try to summon something, and then it goes horribly wrong, and then, well, you end up looking like a toad. Right, so, uh, I, now that you mentioned that, I, I was thinking while I was reading this, that sounds familiar. Um, but you know, I, I do a think golem? that this was mm, of, sounds pretty familiar. Right. Yeah, well, I mean the golem definitely, but um, just in in general, the, that take on sort of demonism uh, and binding uh, mis- fantastical creatures, mystical creatures into items and stuff like that, in sort of like the alchemist's so- semi scientific, pseudo scientific approach almost. Yeah. Um, and turning that into like a real science, uh, I I thought was pretty cool. That was a that was a good direction to go. I enjoyed that. Part of the story yeah that's all that's uh, all i have there okay and then so then i i think we should talk about the the awakeners okay um so the major the force well spoiler alert don't listen for the next 10 seconds if you don't want to know who is behind the major plot thing so the awakeners uh are the, the force behind sort of the original catalyst for the whole story um and they are a sort of religious group um a cult almost that apparently like a hundred years before the time that this story is set in or some number of hundreds of years wiped out all religions and made this like the only the only practiced religion but really it's more of a cult and it's a sort of paganism really mm -hmm. uh and it's it's described as worshiping the all soul, which is sort of like a Gaia, like uh, well, it's, uh, it's it's a singular non embodied god, one might say. Right. It's a, it's an it's like Mother Earth sort of type thing. Right. Like the original, uh, like in Roman and Greek mythologies, like the original mother of all things and stuff. Um, similar similar to that, uh, and the the practicers, the priests, sort of of this religion, have do have seem to have some sort of uh, power that whether it is they're being they're charlatans and just sort of uh, faking it or not never really gets explained. Um, but it is a big uh, part of the story that the the awakener cult is really a business um, and. Their persecution of the practicing demonists and sort of essentially of science uh, didn't did not go unnoticed. I guess mm-hmm. uh, that was it. I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of enjoyed that, and I, I thought that was an interesting parallel to what that preceding age of the Victorian age 
was like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just, I just thought that was a uh, interesting interesting parallel to the real real history. One of the things I found was interesting it was the reasoning for the events of the book. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert again, but uh, so they're essentially trying to overthrow the Archduke to reaffirm, one might say, their control over the, I don't know, the country or government or whatever. Um, And I think that's interesting because at least, you know, in most modern governments, we try to separate our religion from our government as much as possible. And that particular Archduke in the story is kind of neglecting the church a little bit too much or the religion, and they're kind of trying to get, get, get back in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's definitely has a, a, a particular, a specific historical parallel as well. There was some uh, king, I think, of Britain who um, started to go against the church, and I think he was then. I don't know if he was if there was an attempt to dispose of him, or yet he was deposed some somehow overthrown or something um but the sort of the presentation of that whole cult as a business and their sort of ruthlessness in uh attempting to preserve their monopoly i guess mm-hmm. on on the people and their money uh was was an interesting subplot not not that it was really a subplot because it was really the main plot but then the main plot was actually just the story of Keddy J and it crew. Right. So it was sort of more of a subplot. But it, it was the plot behind the plot, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the back plot. The back plot. But, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was well, uh, it wasn't particularly, uh, for or against either, uh, interpretation of who was right or wrong or whatever. Um, it didn't push you in one direction. Right. There was, yeah. there was actually a point where Craig voiced the uh, his opinion of the Awakeners as just like sort of a crazy cult of people trying to make money, and that was like, oh well, this author obviously like has some sort of bias in that uh, in that area. And then Jez says, well, you, I mean, you obviously uh, are you have some bias saying that and there's a, a little bit of representation of both sides which i think was well done but then there was also it was also fairly obvious that the awakeners were portrayed as sort of bad guys yeah um, so i don't know I, I i enjoyed that i think that partially because it somewhat mirrored my own thoughts on the matter um but also because it was it was well woven into the, the other plot mm-hmm, definitely uh yeah, I don't. I don't know if I really have much else to. So that now that we've talked all about that, are you still going to go with your three and a half to four? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with three and a half just because I really liked the story. I thought the story was well thought out and engaging and enjoyable to read, regardless of the the less important parts of the writing and stuff. I I think that the story was well done. And so I'd, I'd say definitely three and a half. That's good. So on Amazon, I'm reading this right now, the official uh, rating out of 23 reviews is 4.2 out of 5. So I think I think we're a little bit less than normal on, on average, but I think we're still pretty yeah, good. I don't, I don't, I, I tend to be less than average when I review things, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
Um, so I think what happens in this, in this book, um, is probably going to be a good setup for the next book in the series. Now, all, all of the books in the series are actually out already, which is actually really nice. So then you don't have to wait for them. Um, right. yeah. And the next book, I believe, is called The, the Black Lung Captain. Hmm. Yeah. I so- wonder if it will, um, well, it sounds like it'll probably follow the adventures of a, a different crew on a different vessel. Probably none of, no returning cast from this book, I'm going to guess. Actually, I believe it is. Oh, it is? Yes. It says here All in the there? description, Deep in the heart of the Kurg rainforest lies a long-forgotten wreck. On board, a magically protected door and elusive treasure wa- awaits. Good thing Darian Frey, captain of airship Ketty J, has the demonist Crake on board. Crake has their best chance of getting that door open if they can sober him up for for a... For a prize this enticing, Frey is willing to brave the legendary monsters of the Forbidding Island and ally himself with a partner who's even less trustworthy than he is. So, so yes. hmm, that's uh, that's interesting. I the part that caught me most, I guess, after reading the first one was Cray being drunk all the time. I'd be interested to see why. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I guess I sort of judge from the title, the Black Lung Captain. So Maybe have, that's the, the criminal that Frey allies himself with. Or, yeah, that, that could be, yes. So I have a question. Is yeah. it or is it not after May 1st? Today? Or in the book? No, right now. Because... Oh, yeah. So, so the first book is obviously out because we just read it. The second mm-hmm. book is out. It came out in 2011. The third book is said here on Amazon to have come out on May 1st, 2012, but it still says it's up for pre-order. So I think Amazon broke. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I might have to just go to Barnes & Noble or something. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, so the the next book I put in the show notes too, uh, so that, that'll be good to read. Uh, so yeah. one, of the, one of the reasons I like this book is it's kind of a palate cleanser kind of book because it's not hard to read and it has a relatively good story with relatively good characters. It's not a very difficult book to read. It's something to read in between hard and difficult reads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, I think this series uh if you were say tired of reading um a series like The Game of Thrones. Yes, like that. To remember a lot of names, which I think is ridiculous. I don't think that I don't know. Like, I suppose that type of book is right up my alley, so I don't really know. Well, if it's I, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, what do you call it, uh, a lot of characters, and then the names are not things I know how to pronounce, and then like I'm thinking about it, and it's like, I have no idea. And then just a lot of what happens just seems so, I, I don't know, maybe I just don't care enough about that. I don't know, it's just something about that book makes it hard to read. And I don't know what huh. it is in particular, but it just is. Okay. Well, all right. So if you're you're in a spot like Ryan, where you're you're done with something like that, this oh, this not even close good. to done. Uh, right. Okay. So eventually, if, <laughs> if you're in the same spot as Ryan right now, then in like ten years, when you finally finish the first book, um, you you could read Retribution Falls, and, and it'll be a, a good break. Yes, it is a great great break. I do suggest that you review it on Amazon because twenty three reviews is just not enough. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, yeah. So if anybody's listening. I, I'd say I recommend it. It, w- it won't take you too much time. It is a little long, but it's a pretty but quick read. It goes incredibly fast for being the length it is. I mean, yeah. I read it in maybe three or four days, and I think Sam read it in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I I read like seventy-five pages in 
a day, and then I read the last, like, 375 in two days. Right. So that's so, about my time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. And it, we'll see. Maybe we'll uh, mention these. We end up reading the rest of the books in the series. Maybe we'll we'll mention those at some point in the future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, I think that's it. Yeah, well, that was a good show. Have a good one.